Hello, everybody out there. You know what time it is. And for all my friends out there that know me, they're going to love this line. You know the vibes. It is a Friday night. So what time is it? It's time for the Talk That Talk show with me, Barry Holmes. Uh, it's been a great week. You know, I, I hate to sound repetitive, but, you know, it's been a, a great week each and every week. And I feel like, you know, it's only in part because of the fact that, you know, I've been running and getting myself mentally stronger. You know, I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on in the show. But it's really just, you know, carried into, you know, all aspects of life. You know, I just I feel like I've been coming into these weeks just hungry. Um, you know, one of the things that quarantine, you know, has us doing is really scrapping and seeing, you know, what we are as people. And, you know, I've been looking forward to each and every week just coming onto this mic and seeing, you know, how I'm going to feel today. And, you know, last episode that we had, we had a lot of people booming on the live stream. Um, I, I'm always interested to see, you know, which different people are going to be on here. We got my boy Richard NG, the pool extraordinaire. Shout out to my boy John Cliff, uh, Jeff Farrell. But, um, you know, each and every week I, I literally come out here and I pour my heart out for you all. And it's all because of, you know, my loyal listeners out there. So I definitely want to thank our sponsors at VW Liquors, uh, located in Wick Plaza, Edison, New Jersey. Uh, big shout out to Caroline, um, my boy Dave, Crystal, uh, Gabe Azzarello. Um, love those guys over at VW Liquors. Um, they continue to make me feel like such a special person. And it's special organizations, special businesses like that that make you want to continue to come and, and spend your money and, and even just talk. I mean, even when I came into today, you know, I was talking to Caroline and, you know, Dave and Crystal, you know, even after I got my, my beer for the night, which I'm going to review. So, you know, it's more than just coming in to getting my beer at that store. So, you know, I appreciate that relationship that we have. And then also a big shout out to my boy Cody Bromley at 91s.com. He was really excited because I wore his shirt um, on an episode that I was featured with uh, Speak uh, by Harris DeMarco. So, you know, I talked to him and he was super excited and super pumped that, you know, I was able to plug his, sh uh, his line. So big shout out to them. And then also to my boy Prashant at um, Executive Bar and Restaurant located in Carteret, New Jersey. We got some people saying that they love my shirt here. Uh, my boy Alex Balonis, big shout out to you. Uh, Joe Snow, we'll play a little Warzone later. I know you're going to like my segment I got for you. And then also my boy Dante Bell, Nihir Trevetti. Um, but I tell you what, you know, this shirt right here um, is actually something I'm really excited about. And I'm going to talk a little bit about bowling a little bit later. But, you know, I decided to wear this shirt because I'm just so, you know, I I've been missing bowling a lot. And, you know, I got to meet up with my boy, Tim Hugel. Shout out to him. And, you know, I got in this shirt. I was subbing on his team. And I was doing really well. And he told me, you know, I want you to be on my team. Uh, you should get one of the jerseys. So when you bowl with us, you know, you feel part of the team. So, you know, I, I was looking forward to wearing this shirt prior to the stoppage. But, um, you know, I, I actually picked it up from him today. And we've been in talks about, you know, getting this uh, Talk That Talk show merchandise in place. So, you know, I was really excited to see him today and, you know, get the ball rolling as far as getting our, um, you know, the Talk That Talk show shirts out there. So that's something I'm really excited to tell you all about. 
So um, we're definitely going to be having the merchandise on the horizon soon. And I'll let you know how you're going to be able to get some of those shirts as well. Um, but big shout out to Tim Hugel. The name of this team is called Violent Strike. Um, I actually got the Talk That Talk logo on the back for those of you that can't see. It says Barry Buckets on there too. But um, this is a bowling shirt that I, I really couldn't wait to wear. And um, big shout out to Tim. And we're really going to get that merchandise out to you guys soon. But, you know, we got a good episode lined up for you today. I want to thank uh, Allison, May, Fritch. You got to open up your island for me, all right? I want to check out what you're doing on Animal Crossing. I've been putting in some time. And uh, also big shout-out to Zeeshawn Abbas, who's been supplying the beats for the show each and every week. So, you know, big shout-out to you. But the main thing that a lot of people have been asking me about or they want to know what my reactions are is to about Joe Flacco getting signed to the Jets. Now, my boy Peter Dunn is a big Jets fan, and I know Andrew Disney also as well as a big Jets fan. So you got a lot of people that are looking and seeing that they signed Joe Flacco, who is a 35-year-old quarterback, and the last time we seen him in Denver, he didn't exactly look like his Super Bowl MVP self, right? Um, you have a guy who had neck surgery for the herniated disc. And, you know, since 2008, you know, 2018, the New York Jets have been 0-6 when Sam Darnot has not started. So when you look at what's happening here when you have Joe Flacco being signed, I think a lot of people are getting a little questioned or they're starting to get confused and think, oh, snap, Joe Flacco's about to start for the Jets, or, oh, snap, this guy's about to go take over Sam Darno's job. You got to look at the money. And for $1.5 million, I don't really see the Jets really giving up Sam Darno's top spot, especially in a guy that they've invested very hugely in. And you think that, you know, if they were going in a diff different direction other than, you know, Sam Darno. They wouldn't have gotten an offensive lineman in that top pick, and you might have seen them go with a different quarterback because there was a lot of t you know quarterbacks out there that they could have taken with that pick. So I don't see that Joe Flacco being signed is uh, putting Sam Darno in jeopardy. I think, if anything, this helps the Jets. I mean, you go look last year when the Jets played when Sam Darno had mono. They looked terrible. You know, that was a team that you could barely watch, all right? So, you know, I think that the Jets really invested in the fact that they understand that their guy in Sam Darno isn't exactly bulletproof, all right? This guy is going to potentially miss some games because of his injuries. So what I see with the Jets investing in, uh, you know, Joe Flacco, they're putting their eggs in the basket of somebody who's proven to win a championship before. You know, he's shown that he can throw the ball at elite level, but I just question whether he still can be the top quarterback or, you know, a guy in the discussion that can really help out this Jets team other than in a backup role. So I think if we look at everything in perspective and we see, hey, here's Joe Flacco that can help us out, and he'll be 10 times better than any other quarterback that we had as a backup last year, and you can look at it and say, hey, maybe the Jets did get better here. You know, I don't think that Joe Flacco going to the New York Jets doesn't hurt the Jets at all. I mean, for $1.5 it's fairly uh, cheap, right? So for them, you know, I think this is a good steal for the Jets. Um, you, you've invested in Sam Darno. Um, you've also invested in getting the offensive line in the first round with the Jets. So, you know, here's a little bit of help out there. That might help Sam Darno think a little bit when he's in the pocket and say, hey, if I stand here and, you know, deliver that pass, 
Even if I get cracked, I got my boy Joe Flacco uh, behind me. And I know that's not exactly what you're going to think about, you know, right before you get cracked. But, you know, it's got to give the Jets organization a little bit of a, a sigh, a breath of relief to get this guy and hopefully give you some beef, you know, back in the in the bench. So, you know, big shout out to the Jets. You know, I think a lot of people are, you know, have been clouding the Jets and, you know, you just got to take a look into account what they're doing in the offseason and what exactly are the moves that they're doing. You know, as long as I think that they, you know, can secure Jamal Adams to a long-term contract and, you know, potentially get some weapons out there for Sam Darnot, um, I think that this Jets team can, you know, do some things, especially where you have Tom Brady who's left the AFC East. It's low-key a little bit wide open, right? So, you know, big shout-out to the Jets for doing some moves. Uh, we also got Chris Shank on here liking my jersey. Yeah, man, this is the new Buckets one. Hopefully when we get back from the quarantine, I'll be able to show you at the bowling alley, man. But, you know, one of the also things that you got to think about, too, and one of the things that I think about is when you see Joe Flacco and, you know, assuming a backup role, I mean, the first person I think about is Cam Newton. Because Cam Newton has been for a long time one of my favorite quarterbacks. And now we're entering an era where a 35-year-old Joe Flacco can't find himself a starting job. So do you feel like now Cam Newton is kind of headed in that same direction? We haven't seen a lot of teams really jumping out, chomping at the bit to sign Cam Newton for a starting deal. So, you know, if Cam Newton is still going to hold out, he might find himself not even in the league, man, because here you have a humble Joe Flacco who signed a lot of money and made his money in the NFL, but he's content with getting a $1.5 million contract to be a backup. Now, this is a very real possibility, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, Cam Newton can find that in any team that he wants. But you got to think about how much pride that Cam Newton has, and I just don't really see him assuming a role in the backup role. And you got to look at Joe Flacco. He's never uh, sat out a game, you know, as a, as a backup in his life. You know, well, not in his life, but in the NFL career. So I think that this is huge for, you know, Joe Flacco to be able to say, hey, you know, this is not going to be a starting position for me. This is going to be a backup role. And I think that if my boy Cam Newton can assume that same, you know, perspective, he can be in the NFL. And just because you get a backup role doesn't mean you're going to get some, you know, you're not going to get any reps, you know. Uh, you, we see how vicious the game is, you know, for these quarterbacks that are getting hit on the blind side. So just because you get a backup position doesn't necessarily mean that your career is done, right? So, you know, I look at Joe Flacco as somebody that, you know, in signing in a backup role with the Jets has humbled himself. So I got to see if Cam Newton humbles himself and maybe can land himself back in the NFL. But, you know, one of the things that we've seen is we had the, the UFC that has come back, right? Um, they had fightless, I mean, fanless fights. Um, the past two fight cards that we've seen have been pretty good. I, I have no complaints. But, you know, one of the things that we keep talking about is this, you know, presence of a fight island. And Dana, you know, Dana White keeps talking about fight island and what he's going to have on there. But the very one only thing that we know, the one thing that we have confirmed for fight island is that we're going to see uh, Khabib and Justin Gate, right? Um, you know, right off rip, I mean, how can I not go with my boy Khabib? I mean, if you're going to ask me, 
I mean, Gage definitely showed us some power. He showed us how um, how much precision his handwork was, right? But we were saying the same things about Conor McGregor before he fought Khabib. And Khabib took his block off, all right? So, you know, I love Justin Gaith. I know what he did against, you know, Tony Ferguson. I got a lot of respect for the guy. But if we're going to Fight Island and I'm going to see Gaith versus Khabib, you best believe I'm going to put every bit of money I've been saving from them Trump bucks, I'm going to put them on my boy Khabib. And you can tell him that. And one of the things that we have also seen from this whole UFC, uh, the past one we saw is we saw that Francis Naganu. Knocked out Rooster Week just so quick, man. Um, it, it was devastating. Uh, I was joking around with Jeff, and I was saying he didn't even have the good footwork or any type of footwork. He just came in swinging uh, four straight punches, man, and he just took the guy out. And what we saw from that is a little bit of Twitter banter between John Jones and Francis Naganu. And you know John Jones is somebody that's never going to back down from anybody and we've always heard about him moving up from light heavyweight going up to heavyweight. But we heard something from Dana White, and he said that he doesn't see that this fight is happening. Now, John Jones did say that um, he didn't feel that UFC was going to pay enough for the fight. And for me, you know, I'm just looking at this from Dana White's perspective, and he's probably trying to save John Jones and save this one guy at the light heavyweight who has that unbeaten, you know, path. Um, you know, that's marketable for someone like Dana White in the UFC to have somebody that's unbeaten in a, a place in the light heavyweight division that doesn't have as much personality as someone like a John Jones. I mean, you look at Reyes and, you know, he's a guy that, you know, can contend, but do you know much about the guy? I mean, I know about John Jones, so, you know, don't, get it twisted that UFC is just about, you know, marketing as much as it is about fighting skill. I mean, I would love to see Francis Naganu fight against John Jones. I think that's a fight that everybody would love to see, but we got to think about it a little bit further than just, you know, that one pay-per-view. I mean, now after that safe Naganu does knock him out and establish that, you know, John Jones should stay as a light heavyweight. Now we have a situation where you can't market John Jones as that undefeated star anymore. So, you know, I think that, you know, this is the UFC just trying to give us the fights that we want to see, but still not tarnish that marketability that they have, right? Um, I think that also is something that we have to give a little bit of a shout-out to. Um, I know that the Jordan documentary just came out. And a lot of those last two episodes were, you know, really centered around, you know, that Chicago Bulls team going up against the Utah Jazz. And you have somebody who coached that team and Jerry Sloan, who has just passed away at the age of 78. And he was a Hall of Fame coach at, you know, he was inducted into there in 2009. And when we talk about longevity and you talk about consistency, you know, a lot of people go and talk about Greg Popovich. You know, he was able to take that Spurs team to how many countless playoff, you know, appearances and made them competitive. But I feel like, and, you know, for a lot of us true sports basketball enthusiasts, you know that Jerry Sloan that was not only just an 11-year player in the league, but he was also somebody that was a 26-year coach in the NBA. And he coached most of those, 24 of those, I believe, were with the Utah Jazz. And he had 16 straight winning seasons 
and 15 straight playoff appearances. So, you know, for somebody like Jerry Sloan, we are losing, you know, a, a great basketball mind. And I think that the really good thing that we can look to as far as if you don't know who Jerry Sloan is, you know, I have a quote from somebody in Mark Eaton, who's somebody who is retired by the Utah Jazz. And he goes on to say that the Utah Jazz are Jerry Sloan. So, you know, when you think about Utah, you know, you think about a grinded out team, the pick and roll offenses, you know, not exactly flashy, but they were no nonsense. And that's something that Jerry Sloan instilled in his team. So, you know, that's something that, you know, we can't bypass. And if you're a true NBA fan, you know, we definitely got to give a shout out to Jerry Sloan. Uh, you know, rest easy, big fella. Um, it, it's, how could I say? You know, especially in times like this where we don't have sports, you know, we look to a lot of the people that gave us joy when we had sports. And, you know, for Jerry Sloan, you know, he means so much to the Utah Jazz organization. You know, I'm sure Donovan Mitchell knows exactly who Jerry Sloan is, right? And that's somebody who's a star on the Jazz now. And that just goes to show you the type of reach that uh, Jerry Sloan had. I mean, not too many days ago, you had Carl Malone and John Stockton saying that, you know, to pl please, please pray for Jerry Sloan because he wasn't in good health. So, you know, to a great basketball mind, you know, our hearts, our prayers go out to, you know, your family, brother, and we're thinking about you. And then somebody else that we're thinking about as well, too, and we want to send our best wishes, we want to give a big shout-out to my boy Patrick Ewing. All right, um, I got the chance to do some of his games when he first started at Georgetown as a college basketball coach, and especially as a huge Knicks fan. If you don't know who Patrick Ewing is, you shouldn't be wearing a Knicks jersey, right? So, you know, I, I saw that he got tested positive for coronavirus, and, and we know how serious, you know, this, you know, the disease is. We see how many people it's affecting, how many lives it's affecting, right? So I just want to... You know, extend my best wishes to Patrick Ewing. I, I hope uh, that you have a great recovery, a quick, swift recovery. Um, you know, you mean a lot to the game of basketball. So I really hope that you, Patrick Ewing, have a very, very good, quick, speedy recovery. Uh, my manager got diagnosed with this uh, disease not too long ago as well. And, you know, he's in good spirits. So, you know, his success in trying to beat this hopefully gives everybody else out there some hope um, that, you know, we can beat this and that, it, and, and to quote Henry, he says that it's not a death sentence, right? So, you know, big shout out to you, Henry, for you continuing to get through this. And then also we send out all of our best wishes to Patrick Ewing as well, too. Now, you know, as we've gotten through that, I got to do my beer review. I, I've been looking forward to this each and every week. Because VW Liquors has provided me a great platform in the fact that, you know, they continue to give me a great selection of new beer. You know, I get to try out different things. And, you know, big shout out to Dave, you know, his daughter Caroline, Crystal Dice, and uh, my boy Gabe Azzarello working at VW Liquors. And, you know, the one beer that I decided to try this week is a Bolero Snort Brew. Yet again, I told you, I'm stuck on this brewery. They make good beer. I'm trying to tell you this. If you live in Jersey or if you have access to good beer or good selection, please get Bolero Snort Brewery. They are not my sponsor, but I love their beer. Bolero. And the one that I have today is called Aurora Bull 
Realis, right? It's got Galaxy, Strata, Citra. It's a double IPA. So if you're somebody likes a little punch in your beers, this is it. In my past episodes, I've kind of given us a little bit of a fruitier selection, right? We've had some strawberry in there. Uh, We've had a little bit of pineapple and vanilla with some of the beers. Now this is for the real beer drinkers out there. If you're an IPA guy, you like double IPAs, this is the one that you're going to want to go with, all right? So this is called Aurora Borealis. Um, Big shout-out to Bolero Snort Brewery. A big shout-out to VW Liquors. I love you guys so much. Cheers up. Wow. Now, a lot of IPAs, right, when you drink them, I feel like they kind of get you a little bit, how could I say, they give you that aftertaste. You really know that you've had an IPA, right? And I'm really surprised with just in, you know, a big swig like this in in an IPA, I'm surprised at just how smooth this is. So, now, I'm definitely going to give this a couple thumbs up. And if you get a chance to, please check out the Aurora Bull Realis by Bolero Snort Brewery. And you better get it from VW Liquors, all right? Yes. Want to give a shout-out to Andres Martin, Nick Fabretti, uh, Timothy Hugel, John Huang, Louis Guerra, Lizard. Chris Shank Jr., Andrew Mospor, Mary Beth Heaney. Oh, man, we got a lot of people on our Facebook live stream today. As always, want to give a big shout-out to you. It's a Friday night with the prime time slot, and I'm very appreciative of you tuning in. And, you know, one of the things that I definitely wanted to talk about, and, you know, I talked about it, you know, to my boy, uh, what's Harry DeMarco in his show, and Speak. But one of the things that I was really excited to talk about is that, you know, I'm a big gamer and I'm really into gaming. And one of the things that I'm very, very excited to play each and every day when I wake up, especially when I'm with my boy Jeff, uh, Theo, Reese, uh, Nixon, but all of my boys were so excited to play Warzone. Now, if you've played Call of Duty Warzone, you know that if you die for the first time, you get sent to the Gulag. For a lot of people that don't know this, though, the Gulag is a place where they put you one-on-one with another opponent that has died as well. And whoever wins out of a one-on-one cage match, you become the victor and you get to go back into the game. Now, in Call of Duty in the past, we have put it in there where you have some of the worst guns that you can find, all right? A shotgun, all right? You have a, a, was it, a, a revolver. Uh, a trash pistol, all right? Just the trashest guns that you can find, all right? I think that this is exactly the way the Gulag is supposed to be, right? It's a true test of wits. Now what we have is, in the latest update, Call of Duty has put ARs and submachine guns in the Gulag. What is this shit, all right? When I'm going in to go into the Gulag, now I'm facing off against a guy with a scar, where I'm going up against a guy with an MP5, and we're not really getting a sense of the true test of skill here in the Call of Duty Gulag. So, you know, me personally, as been somebody that's been playing the game consistently, especially with my boy Joe Snow, shout out to him. But, you know, I don't like going to the Gulag, let alone going to the Gulag with ARs and submachine guns. This kind of takes away from the concept of what the Gulag really is. 
and I, I, I have to say, I am not a fan of the new update with putting the ARs and the submachine guns in. You know, I, I've gotten three dubs with my boy Jeff and a couple of my friends. You know, we got three dubs in the past couple of days, but I have not looked forward to the Gulag. And maybe the Gulag is a place you're not supposed to look forward to. But, you know, I believe in fair, competitive, you know, playing fields. And I feel like when you're adding these ARs and submachine guns in a place that's supposed to be, you know, the gladiator sport, there's no real honor in winning a game where you have an AR in the gulag, right? So, you know, I, my thing to Call of Duty, bring it back, all right? Give us those trash pistols, all right? Give me the revolver. I never thought I'd be asking for the pump shotgun ever again, right? But, you know, let's bring back some of the old weapons in the gulag, because I can't take any more of this primary weapon AR submachine gun gulags, man. I might not ever win one, all right? But one of the things that I also wanted to talk about is, you know, in wearing this bowling shirt, you know, I've been very excited to hopefully find a day where we can go to the bowling alley and bowl again. But one of the things that we have seen are some of the new regulations that might come out with the USBC as far as what's going to bring bowling back. And we have a lot of people that are up in arms as far as some of these things, right? Now, you have people who are saying, should we bring back sports? Is it too early? Here you have a situation in bowling that, you know, it's televised for the big people, but this is a sport that directly affects a lot of people. There's a lot of people that put a lot of money into bowling each and every week here in the tri-state area, especially in the Middlesex County where I live in. And, you know, there's so much diversity as far as the great bowlers out here. And, you know, we look forward to that competitive, you know, that competition each and every week where you put your money on the line to see just how good you are, right? Yes, so, you know, I think that the integrity of the game is something that we need to keep, right? And we don't want to bring bowling back just to bring bowling back, right? And one of the stipulations that they're talking about is having one team on one pair of lanes, right? And whoever those bowlers are between those teams to only bowl on one lane, so not alternating after each frame. And one of the things about that is, is that it totally changes the entire game, not only from a com competition standpoint as far as who you're bowling up against, but now we're talking about changing and altering the game as far as where you have to read the lanes. You know, my father has been hard on me as far as reading the lanes and trying to change directions and seeing where my foot placement is and where I need to be to read the lanes to make accurate shots. And if you're coming into a situation where you only have to worry about one lane, now we're talking about the digression of the sport itself just to bring it back. And I think that that is trash. You know, I think the USB really has to come into these rules and think about, you know, maybe, you know, how many teams that we can have. My father had talked about just limiting the maybe trios, maybe not having five-man teams. That's maybe not the optimal situation, but at least we're still upholding the integrity of the game. The fact of reading the lanes. My boy Joe Snow was so adamant me – well, I'm sorry – adamant on me as far as trying to read these lanes on Saturday, you know, nights 
and you know moving him and Dijon uh, Mush were constantly telling me to move my feet you know Brian Fellows telling me hey switch this ball and I think that's all the things that we get when you have two teams on one pair of lanes and they're going up against each other alternating lanes that's the integrity of bowling that's the challenge that's continued to have me come back each and every week and I think that that's something that needs to be upheld and we shouldn't you know try to change the game or alter the way that we bowl in a way that it just brings bowling back just for the money right I want to make sure that when I'm coming back to bowl when I get to wear this jersey to shoot at 10 pins that we're playing the sport of bowling that I grew to love in these past two years and that has brought me out of some dark, dark places, right? So please keep the integrity of bowling, all right? Let's not change the game just to bring it back. And then one of the things that I also wanted to talk to you guys also about is two of the things that I've been really passionate about or things that have kind of come to me as far as goals, right? I had the chance, right? And I was talking to my boy the other day, and big shout out to Stanley, big shout out to my boy Darius, Dr. Glex. And we talked about, you know, the way that people value each other, right? And you have some people that value other people because they have certain things, right? Or, you know, we're valuing material things. You know, I personally, as, you know, me, Barry Holmes, I want to be valued as someone that adds value to others, right? I want to be somebody that's known for the positive mark that I've left or the things that I've made people think about or influence them to do things positively, right? And, you know, that's the type of people that I'm trying to keep around me at the age of 29 going into my 30s, right? And, you know, when I got to go on this podcast um, in Harry DeMarco's podcast called Speak, you know, I got to really talk about myself and really reaffirm to myself what are the things that I want to do. And, you know, when I went on that podcast, you know, not too long after that, maybe a couple days, uh, what was it, I think two days ago for me, you know, I got to go and go on a virtual career day at one of the old schools I used to work at. Shout out to Principal Rufai. Um, shout out to Miss McCree, who reached out to me to go virtually and talk to students in a Zoom interview and a Zoom conference with these students and talk about myself and some of the things that I do in my career past. And this was especially enriching to me, you know, especially this year because I got to do it virtually in a sense where you can provide hope and inspiration for students that aren't even in a classroom, right? So to see the, the extent that Miss McCree had, you know, went out to reach out to all the people like me and other people that talked during career day and to, you know, look at these teachers that have organized their students and tried to get them on the calls, you know, to, to, to listen to me speak and to listen to these other presenters speak. You know, it really had and gave me faith, faith in the, the school system that, you know, we live in it and, and, and it really fulfilled my day to be able to, to, uh, to participate in this virtual career day. And one of the things that I told to the students is that you have to have, you know, goals that are reachable, but also some that are impossible, some that doesn't seem like you can reach, right? And when I said that to them, you know, I thought immediately back to, you know, a couple days, you know, a week ago where I had in the back of TJ uh, the security guards that said that they were validated and saying that 
Barry is somebody that's in the back every single day running, right? And Rob got to see that, right? And that was his validation that I am in the back, right? So when you look as far as, you know, these students that get that validation, right, and get that, that sense that, hey, here's somebody that looks like me that can inspire me to do something greater, right? I had no choice but to live by the words that I'm telling these students to do, right? So I really looked within myself and I thought about what are some goals that I can have that are not only reachable, but a little bit impossible, right? So I'm sharing to you all some of the two goals that you all as loyal listeners can, you know, hold me accountable for and some things that I'm trying to strive for outside of bettering this podcast. Shout out to my boy David Jenkins because on a Facebook post that I had earlier this week, I said that, you know, I've lost 16 pounds since I've been running four miles a day for five days a week, right? That has been my regimen and I've really stuck to it. And I've started to see the results. I feel better, right? You know, I'm waking up and I'm feeling more energized. And David Jenkins, shout out to him. He told me that I should start to register for a half marathon. And that seems a little bit impossible for me, right? But I think that's something great to strive, you know, to strive for. When I'm in the back of TJ and I'm huffing and puffing, I'm thinking maybe I can do a half marathon, right? So big shout out to him because, you know, he's given me a little bit of an impossible goal that I now have to strive for. Another one that I've had and I've, you know, shared is that I've been trying to write a book. All right. I've, you know, talked about self-investment and I said, just how much would it be to, to publish my own book? You know, I've had so many people that have said, oh, you should write a book. But, you know, I've actually taken the steps now. I have a concept. You know, I've been writing. I have a file down where I've been writing some material and I'm taking the steps to now create this book, right? So, you know, the two things that I want to be, you know, the things that I have that might be a little impossible to reach that I've given to myself since I've tried to give that advice to students, I do by hopefully next year, I want to run a half marathon, all right? I want to be consistent with this running and hopefully I can register for a half marathon. And then also... I want to be a published author, all right? I want to have my own book published, all right? And these are the, sh the, the, the goals that I'm sharing with all of you in hopes that when you look at yourself in listening to this podcast, watching this podcast, wherever you're consuming this, you know, this content, look within yourself and think, what are some goals that you can have that are reachable but also a little bit impossible, right? So have something that you're striving for, but make it something that you really can physically try and reach for, right? And that's the two things that I wanted to share with you all. And, you know, that pretty much does it for this episode of the Talk That Talk show. Uh, 54 in the bag, man. What? How much? 54 episodes. 54. I, I tell you what. They said that most podcasts fail because of inconsistency. And I tell you what, you have a podcast that you can depend on each and every week here with the Talk That Talk show. So before I close out here, another big shout out to Bolero Snort Brewery. Please try out Aurora Bol Bol was it Bol Realis, all right? Check this out. Oh, yeah, that was good. Also want to give a shout out to our sponsors at VW Liquors. Located in Edison Wick Plaza. Let's go, Mets! 
Let's go, Mets! We always do that for Dave at the end of the show. Also give a big shout-out to Caroline, Crystal Dice, uh, Gabe Azzarello. We love you all at VW Liquors. Shout-out to my boy, Cody Bromley at 91s.com. He's got the best acid wash apparel in the game. All right, you, see, you can check me out on the episode with Harry DeMarco at Speak, episode 10. I got a fresh shirt on from him. Check it out. And then also, we want to give a shout-out to my boy Prashant at Executive Bar and Restaurant located in Carteret, New Jersey. Please, please support my man Prashant and go check him out. They got some good food, good drinks. Whenever this corona is done, you better make sure that you run over there, all right? Yeah, support local businesses as well, too. Whether you're getting takeout, whether you have somebody that's uh, like my boy Peter Dunn. Shout out to Peter Dunn. During this corona, he's now went on to making his own tacos. He's selling them five for 25. He's already got people that are, you know, buying his tacos. So shout out to you, Peter Dunn. Support your local businesses. Support your friends that are out trying to do positive things. I got my own shirts that are becoming on the horizon. Big shout out to Timmy Hugel. Love our conversation we had. Uh, I can't wait to bring the apparel to the people. Uh, I've been called a man of the people by one of my friends. So, you know, I have embraced that role. And, you know, I am the man of the people. This is the Talk That Talk show. This is a podcast for you all. Shout out to Dina Marie Castro. Thank you for letting Joe Snow play with us at night on Call of Duty. Shout out to Gary Thompson, Donnie Lee. You better catch up, Donnie, because I tell you what. I got 38 wins in Call of Duty Warzone, and you ain't touching me, baby. Shout out to my boy Chad Humes, my dad, Alish Lish, uh, <laughs> Andres Martin, uh, Nick Fabretti again. Thank you to everybody that's tuned in, as always, on our Facebook live stream. I love you all so much. This is the Talk That Talk show every single week. Or B-square. Another cheers to you all, and I'll see you all next week.